If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's guest is Joanna Barry. Joanna's had an all-round horse background. She started off as a groom, progressed on to be a head girl. She's worked for people like Swedish Olympian Anna Hilton, Sheikh Mohammed. She's also worked for a polo player and worked full-time for RDA for four years. So even though Joanna's coaching now, we're going to focus on talking to her about her background as a groom and a head girl. So how are you today, Joanna? Good, thank you. Good, good. Joanna, we normally start with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? Uh, just never give up. Okay, all right. Do you teach that to any of your students? Yes, always. Okay. <laughs> keep trying, keep persisting. Yep, yep. And what sort of things are they doing when you start to give them that message? Oh, people just get stuck in general. They might think, oh, I'm never going to be able to make it to a test or never going to be able to do a particular movement. And you just say, you just got to you know, keep persisting and sort of keep trying and get to the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Now, tell me about, because you've had a pretty much all-round horse background, what were your first memories of horses? Can you tell me a bit about that, the first thing that you remember? First memory of horses, I think when I was very, very young and um, seeing some cart horses <laughs> yep. um, and feeding them an apple and telling my nan that um, I wanted a horse. I never got a horse, but I got a very large to life uh, rocking horse instead. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I didn't actually get my own horse till I was 21. <laughs> you must have been pretty young then when you were feeding the cart horses with an apple to then go on to a rocking horse. Yes, probably only about four. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Now, you pretty much went on to work with horses. So what made you decide? Was it that you decided at the point where you wanted to get a horse that you are going to have a career with horses or what led to you having a career with horses? At 13, I became a volunteer for Riding for the Disabled. Okay. Work all day just to get a free ride. And I did that. I've done that for many, many years. And that's what started me um, doing the horses and deciding that I wanted to work with horses. And I wanted to be a working pupil, but my mother wouldn't let me. <laughs> so oh, really? I ended up going to agricultural college yep. um, to do study horses that way properly. Okay. okay. So if someone does want to work with horses, what would you recommend? Agricultural college or as a working student? It's just, I don't know if it's different over here in England. There was lots of um, working students. See, working students, you usually don't get paid anything else for free, but you would learn lots and lots and lots. Mm. A bit like mm. when I first started working with the eventers, you didn't get paid much, but you learn a lot, a lot, a lot of things. It's almost like an apprenticeship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but I suppose yeah. it is, yeah, same as an apprenticeship, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas college, you're learning, but you're pretty much paying. 
Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, you were playing. College is very good fun. I think going to uni, studying, riding horses and having fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was good fun and you were learning at the same time. Yeah. All right. Now, what about core skills or character traits? What sort of things do people need to, what type of people need to be able to work in the horse industry and what core skills and character traits do they need? You've got to be prepared to work hard. Mm-hmm. Some people struggle to do these days, yeah, and be able to take advice and be able to follow advice and also have your own initiative. I said, uh, I've actually recently had someone doing work, it's been to me at the moment, and it's so nice to see that when we say we're going or doing something, she's already put stuff in the float, which um, I was quite surprised about because a lot of young people don't seem to be able to think too much of themselves. So I think having your own initiative and um, having the confidence to think, oh, I might go and do that or I'll have a go because it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. Is it? You can always, you know, learn from making mistakes. So giving everything a go and, and definitely yeah, hard work, I would say, is, is the main thing, being prepared to work hard. And it's taking responsibility, isn't it? Not just saying, oh, no, that's not my job, that's not my fault. It's <laughs> taking that initiative and carrying it forward. Exactly. And and also yeah. something did go wrong, being able to say, okay, well, I did something wrong, but, um, you know, being able to hold your hand up and say that you did do something wrong or you needed help. Mm-hmm. Etc. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right then. What do you think then? You've worked in the horse industry pretty much your whole life. What do you think's the best thing about working in the horse industry? Uh, you meet lots and lots of people, all sorts of. And I always think of that you never ever stop learning. Mm-hmm. There's you might go somewhere and hear like as I coach and then you hear a coach say something in a different way. You think, oh, that was a really good way of breaking it down. Or there's always things to learn. It doesn't matter what you're doing or what level coach you're at. Coaches always need other people coaching or a bit of a backup. You never, for me, you never stop learning different things. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. And I know what you mean. You know, you do. You keep learning and you learn things yeah. about your particular niche within the horse industry. And even if you go and see something that's still with horses, but totally outside your niche, you know, like you might go and see a, I don't know, you know, for me, it would be someone in harness and then you learn that and you go, yeah. oh, and then you transfer those skills across to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And some skills in different areas like that might be sort of think, oh, it's a similar thing, but just done in a slightly different way. Yes. Yeah. Usually most professionals, doesn't matter what sort of area I would say in the horse thing is, they're all pretty much similar. Mm, mm, mm. Tell me about then some people who might have influenced you in your career and helped you make make decisions to help you with your career. Uh, I think the first one would be Anna Hilton, who I work for. Yep. You know, Marge, she was a, a very, very hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, she'd been to the Olympics a couple of times and was determined to be going a third time. And Caroline Colby, who's my coach, has always inspired me because she's mm-hmm. another one is very, very hard working, still continues to work hard and um and, and she is, yeah, both those people have taught me lots and lots of things, which has probably helped shape the person I am today. I'm just trying to think of Caroline's episode, but I think if people go to horsechats.com and search for Caroline or search for Colby, they'll find her, yeah. Yeah, that will be on there. Yeah, yeah. What about horses? Has it been a horse who's influenced you? Um, well, actually, when I worked for um, Anna Hilton, I remember riding uh, one of her horses, which had been to the Olympics, Malachi. And when I first did some cancer work on it, it bolted on me. <laughs> and I remember being absolutely devastated. I was on this Olympic horse <laughs> and it ran off. And I was, it took me a few days to recover after when a horse goes on you, you're sick, your whole body goes. And especially a big, powerful horse like that. Oh. You know, not, yeah, not just, only, yeah. 
it might, you know, I don't think how old I was, or maybe 19 when I worked there. So thinking, yeah, yeah, I can ride, you know, it all. And that probably gave me a couple of arms to say, well, actually, no, you can't. So <laughs> <laughs> um, he was, uh, yeah, and I was sort of very proud. I think, well, I've ridden a horse which had been to the Olympics and stuff. So that was, yeah, he was certainly a horse that will uh, stick in my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me, what did Anna say after that happened? She just smiled because <laughs> I think she might have known that's what he might have done. Okay, okay, okay. So did you ride him again? Yes. Yeah, no, after. He never did it again after that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I got a bit more experience on some other horses, which, yeah. <laughs> and then went back to being able to do the gallop work on him. <laughs> okay, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Tell me then, what's your proudest moment? Um, excuse me. I always remember, again, when I, was, when I had my very first horse, I'd only got him when I was 21, but mm. I um, decided that, when he was young, I was very much going to be winning a particular championship and get this rug, and everyone sort of like looked at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did. I won. I won my um, the dress I was championship. Won my rug on my seventy percent. I remember oh, that's good. deciding that I was going to win this particular dressage series, and I did. And it was sort of everyone was surprised that when I said I was going to do it, and I, I did manage to do it. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think? You know, you went out there to win the series and ignored everyone else who said you weren't going to, what do you think was key in you winning the series? Was it, you know, the fact that you were determined? Did you do visualisation? Did you do the training? Did you look think, and make yeah, sure the tra- you... the training, okay. I would say. But I was, you know, worked very hard on the, on the training. Um, mm-hmm. And I was sort of ridden all sorts of different horses. He was, yeah, my first horse and it was... Uh, and then after that, he sort of progressed quickly up the... After winning that, he sort of moved on to Norwich Elementary fairly quickly. So I think mm-hmm. spending that time probably in that preliminary, really getting all his base and winning that, then make, was that stepping stone to quickly move him up the ranks a little bit after that, to spending such a long time at the lower level to, yep. to get him there, I would say. Yep, yep. No, that's good. And probably a good lesson to learn to um, to spend the time. Get the basics right. Well, that's what very much I'm teaching. Everyone likes to yeah. like rush everything along and do this, this, and this. They don't yeah. like spending ages and ages getting the basics right, which yeah. is your foundation for your future at the end of the day. Yeah. You skip yeah. too many things, you won't make it further along correctly. You've got to often create problems. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes those basics people skip through them because they don't understand that. You know, they're just very subtle things. The resistance is... Well, they find them boring. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But the resistance the horse puts in, they don't realise that you can actually do it, you know, without that resistance. And Yeah, no, by just taking it that little bit slower sometimes and yeah. giving the horse the chance to understand what it's supposed yes. to be doing as well. Yep, yep. Joanna, what do you think's been your biggest challenge? Uh, my biggest challenge has been coming back after having a a nasty riding accident where I um, had a brain injury. I was in a wheelchair and had to learn to walk again, had to learn to do everything again. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been my, my biggest challenge, which is what um, prompted me to become a coach because I was a full-time rider over here yep. until I had my accident. So that's what was my change of career. <laughs> so what do you think then if someone's had an accident, what do you think has helped you to get back and be positive about it and say, right, well, you know, I can't do that anymore. Now I'm going to focus on coaching and have that bit of a change of career of what you were doing and now to what you are doing now. What advice would you give someone? A lot of it is mindset, that positive mm-hmm. mindset. There, I was couldn't walk, but I was determined I was going to be getting back and doing things. And it's, I think very much having the mindset I would say is what helps you and makes you think be determined to do things and think, well, 
you know, you can't change what's happened. You, you, so you need to move on and think, well, well, what else can I do? And um, I'll work on doing that. And I think for me, having such a varied background of doing all these other things has actually really helped me probably become a good coach because I've had, you know, I haven't just decided I wanted to be a teach, you know, coaching when I was 18. I didn't do it till I was 27. Became mm. I did do a bit of coaching, but didn't do any formal qualifications till I was 27. But had lots of experience with horses in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. huge, yeah, yeah. big varied yeah. background. So that's given me, a, you know, as I say, your life experience is very important, I would say, to helping your coach and do things, mm. you know, life mm. experiences. And that positive mindset, you know, going back to your favourite quote, that sort of the never give up, you know, never give up, just keep going. Yeah, positive mindset. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now you as a coach, because I'm going to talk to you about a coach now, what's a common problem that you see with your riders or common problem with the horses? Most common problem would be lack of confidence and nervousness, mm-hmm. I would say, <laughs> between all sorts of ages and um things usually which has a huge impact on the horse that's why I spend most of my time focusing rather on the horse a lot more on the rider which Caroline always taught me that is you know there's a lot to fix up with the riders and most of the horses um being able to come right most horses not there's you know they all have problems but there's not too much wrong a lot of the horse problems when you're looking at coaching are all mainly related to the rider's problems sure at the end of the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think causes the lack of confidence? Are people overhorsed if they had an accident? Are they just a bit worried? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I think a lot of people overhorsed and a little bit, I find, compared to England. In England, when you were, had adjustment places or horses, there was always lots of a lot more support and a lot of um, help were here. I think where people have a lot more land, or like, say, for instance, you could um, have horses and your parents might buy your horse, but they're not horses. So I think there's probably a lack of support and help or people teaching people from the beginning or a young age or even when adults older they might go to a riding school and then buy a horse and then they've got a horse but they don't have any knowledge of how to look after it and you haven't got the support and I think a lot of that is why you get a lot of people with no confidence because they haven't got somebody helping them probably along the way mm. as much um, I would say compared back to in the UK where it's quite different over there growing up when people had horses to hear so I'm watching sending at pony club there's many kids there and with the horses and mum and dad you've got the horses at home but mum and dad have no idea yep. and you know things go wrong quite easily and that there's there's no support it doesn't take long for things to happen as well uh-huh. um, so I would uh-huh. say that's, that's that's what I think I see yeah yeah so instead of going and getting the lessons and learning how to ride at a riding school it's pretty much what we just buy your pony and then you can learn to ride on the pony yeah and then yeah. I feel you know not all riding but some of the riding schools to me don't teach, t- don't teach too much. There's some very good ones out there, but there's some other ones which, which don't teach things properly. So mm-hmm. when you sort of take someone on out there and they sort of look at you with a blank space, or when you sort of say oh, you need to lose your feet, your breathing, or it's not just kick, pull, turn, yank. You've got to retrain them or reteach them all again about how we do things, or and ha- again how your body has a big impact, your breathing, your seat, how all this impacts the horse. Yeah, um, and that because it takes years and it feel and stuff. It takes a don't just learn these things overnight. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Now, helping people, I want to talk to you a bit about your progression, you know, because you work for, for a few different people. Now, you work for Anna. What's, you know, what's the biggest lesson? Like you talked about, you know, learning to ride better. What do you think's the biggest lesson that you learned from Anna? Oh, probably hard work because 
as much as um, it, it was it was very hard work. We only we had two of us working there, and we had twenty two horses. And you can imagine in England they're stabled the whole time, and we would be riding X amount every day. But it was good to watch her as your employer. She worked just as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always taught you, you know, not like someone who was just telling what to do and they, and they weren't doing anything. <laughs> she worked just as hard. And then I learned, I said, I learned many, many skills from working there. So, you know, worked hard, but I learned many, many skills working from her. Definitely lots of life skills, which have helped me now. Bandaging in just me, you know, fitness work, all sorts of things. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have learned there in those yes. first few years. Yes, because you were there for several years and working mm. for an Olympian, I'm sure you would have learned plenty about fitness. Yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, Sheikh Mohammed, I'm sure it would have been a bit different to, you know, because you're there, you're female. Tell me a bit about working for Sheikh Mohammed and what, you know, what the setup was in those stables. Um, they had a, a huge establishment, private establishment we worked at. We had um, probably at least 15 of us working there and, but we all were working under two men because it's a, a little bit different culture, even though it's in England, but that was their uh, family beliefs. And they had many, many different horses, schoolmasters, and we had young stallions who got to ride and um, used to teach teach his children or take some of them out, and they sort of had private gallops and all sorts of things. But the same thing, you had a very strict regime and had to follow certain orders. And um, so it was another interesting job, but um, one where you um, – very much had to follow a certain set of rules. What was the best thing about working for Sheikh Mohammed? Probably getting to ride some very, very nice young stallions, mm-hmm. which you probably, mm-hmm. probably would never have got to have done outside of that. And those three Andalusian stallions, one three-year-old, a four-year-old, five-year-old at different stages. So, yeah, getting the, the opportunity to ride some, some very nice quality horses. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, thinking about because you started off with RDA as a volunteer and then you ended up going back and working there full-time for four years. Tell me about some lessons that you learned or, you know, the main thing that you learned working for RDA and working full-time for RDA. Um, I think working full-time for RDA really gives you an appreciation about probably how lucky we all are as able-bodied people. Mm -hmm. We were a very big establishment. We had, you know, all sorts of different disabilities and it probably get you a little bit more used. I know nowadays when people see people with disabilities, they often sometimes stare or look at things. It sort of, I reckon it helps you that, you know, it, everyone's normal and, and and how the horses really did actually help you know, make a huge difference to a lot of these people. And again, looking at the determination of some of these people, you know, somebody with no legs or different things, the determination on how they all went, um, which we used to take several horses to the nationals and different things there as well. And yeah, and I'd always enjoyed it. So it was nice to go back as a proper staff member when I sort of grew up. Mm, <laughs> I grew up mm. sort of there. So I'd been there and everybody knew me. I'd been there a long time. So um, it was quite rewarding then to go back there as a staff member when I'd started there as a young girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, Joanna, have you got a book that you could recommend? That's every one thing I sort of haven't. I haven't read any books for a very long time since my accident. I am um, I say I don't actually do much reading these days. But I tend to just generally um often read the different different things like the dress arts today from America, different just a lot of art sort of things like that I read and you always pick up new little information and, and articles and things. Okay. And you and your standard you know, it sounds silly, but your British Horse Society manual sounds silly, but I always remember, you know, as and as a young kid reading um the pony club manuals, which might be like, I don't know, thirty or forty years old probably now. But um 
but a lot of the advice is similar today. It's a little bit outdated, but it's, a lot of the things are all pretty fairly similar, even though over the years we've adapted things. But um, a lot of all of these general books for helping people are pretty much on the same wavelength. I think today, you know, even though technology is progressing so quickly, everything else is progressing so quickly, but horses are still horses, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your books these days would probably be on a screen, not as a, not in a paper version. Yeah. Oh, it's surprising the amount of people that read books. You know, like have take the time to read books, and uh, you know, I know that you shouldn't be on a screen before you go to sleep. You know, and a lot of doctors and that they recommend that you get off the screens before you go to off sleep. Screen, you know, yeah. so people might choose well, to read. That's what I've read. Book. I read the magazines, the shows, yep. and things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so busy. <laughs> <laughs> usually have time to read, only if I go on holiday, which is never. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping on a plane sometimes, yeah. Joanna, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to have a um, four-year-old warm blood mare at the moment, which Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to hopefully bringing her up to Grand Prix. Finally got a a young, talented horse, so um, that's what I'm looking forward to in the future, bringing her along and getting myself back riding at some higher levels again. Good. After having kids and brain injuries and things, uh, <laughs> focusing on myself for a bit and yeah. getting myself going again. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, looking forward to hearing how you're going there too. Yeah. Look, Joanna, can you sum up your philosophy with horses before we finish? Just sum it up into a message for our listeners. Oh, probably that same thing, determination, never giving up and remembering that you can always learn something off everybody, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how can people contact you? I've got my Facebook page, which is Diamond Equestrian, yep. and also my email, which is diamondequestrian at yahoo.com.au. Okay, and those details will be on horsechats.com slash Joanna Barry, or go to horsechats.com and search for Joanna or search for Barry. Joanna, thank you for talking to us today. You've sort of brought in a bit of a different background, I think, um, you know, like coming in and I forgot to mention too that you're a horse and hound UK groom of the year finalist in 2001 so you know I think congratulations to you on that as well but but coming in and talking about life as a groom and a head girl I think it's just been a bit different even though you've gone on to become a coach now I'm having that basis yeah, different different background. <laughs> mm, mm, for sure, for sure. And I'm sure that that background is helping your students now. So, you know, good on you for that. And um, hopefully we'll catch up sometime soon. Thank you. Oh, all right. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 